welcome to the Author Wheel Podcast, where we believe there's no single right way to produce, publish, or promote your work. Only what's right for you. In every episode, we'll talk about common writing roadblocks and how to overcome them so you can keep your stories rolling. Welcome to the Author Wheel, everybody. Today, we're doing a duo episode. So it's just me and Megan talking at you, talking to each other. And we thought what we'd like to talk about is the idea of defining success and what that means. Both of us had the opportunity to be on the uh, Wish I'd Known Then podcast. And that is one of the questions they ask all the people they invite on to their show is how do you define success? And it really got us thinking So we thought we're just going to jump right into that topic today. So Megan, how do you define success? Yeah, well, first, I I do want to say, I think part of the reason why we decided to uh, talk about this today and and record this episode is because it seems to be a recurring theme lately, whenever we're talking with other authors. I mean, it's it's certainly come up, um, at least tangentially in the other interviews um, that we've put out so far this season and even just in personal conversations and other groups online, Facebook groups and Slack groups and conversations there, just this, this idea of like, you know, five years ago as an indie author, it was all about becoming a six figure author and making the money and being an entrepreneur and finding success through financial definitions. But I think that's shifting in the last, maybe because of COVID or maybe just because more and more authors are getting burned out or I don't know why exactly, but it does seem like it's a hot topic right now. I mean, are are you seeing the same thing in in your groups and stuff? Oh, absolutely. And and I do think that a com- it's a, probably a combination of lots of things. And I do think that the, the, um, the rapid release uh, concept yeah. that really came in vogue, I don't, know, like, what, I don't know, maybe five years ago, something six years ago. Um, and all indie authors thought that they had to, to be successful, they had to write a book a month. Mm-hmm. And I have never written a book a month. No, I, I could maybe write a short story a month, but I could not write a book a month. And if I tried, I know I would start to hate writing big time. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder if that didn't happen for some people. Um, well, I, I I think it did, you know, and I think there are authors out there who are able to produce that quantity of words. It's, you know, the way their brain is wired or their work life is balanced or, you know, whatever it is, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, they, they are able to do that. I have not been able to be one of those authors either. And and I think there's a lot of reasons why that's true. Um, but but again, it, it does seem to be shifting. I feel like, you know, more and more authors are trying to get at least in tune with their own personality, their own goals, their own identity as a writer and using that information to define who they want to be and who they want to become, how they want to run their career, and hopefully trying less to mimic other people's success. I think that's, it's a hard lesson to learn. And especially yeah. writers have a hard time with it. I mean, we, you have to try everything or 
you know, or you might miss out on something that you can do, but I, I think it's something that's, that's shifting. So. Yes. Yeah. And, and one more thought on that too, is I think that, you know, there's two aspects there's probably many more, but there's two obvious aspects to success. And one is external validation, external mm-hmm. success. And the other is internal, like the more inward and fulfillment. And I think that, uh, especially in the indie community, what I saw, and that was me looking from the outside in, uh, was it was all about external validation. It was all about the money. It was all about that that kind of thing. And it wasn't about as much about I'm writing what I want to write and I'm enjoying the process and I'm, I'm, you know, having a relationship with readers and I'm feeling fulfilled. Like Mm -hmm. that was sort of swept under the rug, like, well, yeah, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. So. Well, and I think too, what's interesting for me, and I've kind of always defined myself this way. um, I, I joke, I have a split personality. I have a creative side that likes, I mean, you know, growing up, I liked art. I played piano. I did, you know, I was a musician and I was a creative person, but I also have an analytical, you know, what it left, right, right brain, left brain, right, left brain, (laughs) whatever it is. (laughs) Um, But I also have an analytical side and a business side. And I think sometimes those two elements of my personality um, come into conflict. And I think that's where this definition of success can be painful sometimes. Um, I'm also an, an achiever Enneagram type, type three. So that comes into play with it too. But um, but having that split personality, and I think a lot of indie authors have that kind of split personality because you have to be a business person and you also have to be a creative. And so fulfilling both pieces of your soul is incredibly challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. And um, the, if looking at it from the traditionally published side of the world, um, initially you're getting this great validation because somebody's handing you a contract and saying your work is worth us investing X number of dollars into. So it's like getting... Uh, whether you got an advance or not, it's almost like you're getting a paycheck up front. Somebody is paying to publish your work and it's not you. Mm-hmm. And and possibly they're paying you to publish your work as well, which is even more validation. So P- I think in traditional publishing, people can ride on that for a little bit longer. They get, there's there's some of that, somebody thinks you're good at this up front, but it doesn't, necessarily last unless you become a big fat bestseller and your publishing company just keeps offering you book contracts that can dwindle you know and then you can become you can get yourself in the same boat where now it's all about making lists or getting awards or hitting a certain number of sales book sales so you know it's it's the same um so Let's talk personally, though. Let's just, what does it look like um, to you? Like, what, how, where have you morphed from? Okay. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm a, I mean, we both are, I think, but I'm a type three achiever. Um, And so, early days, 
so so backing up on my story, right? I decided to quit my corporate job to stay at home uh, when I had my my first daughter. Um, and that was a psychological hit. It was a choice that I made and I knew what I was getting into and I, and I understood what I was getting into. So don't, don't, I'm not saying I regret it in any way, shape or form. I don't, but it was a psychological hit in that I was no longer bringing in a six figure income. Right. I mean, I had a six figure income from my corporate career. Um, and I gave that up to be a mom and to stay at home and be there for my daughters as they, especially in those younger years when they just desperately need, I think, you know, that, that one-on-one attention. And I wanted to be the one to, to be able to give that to them. So psychologically, I was trying to replace that income early in my writing career. So my first book I published in 2015, literally a few weeks before my second daughter was born. Um, and I immediately went like, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take maternity leave equivalent. Right. But I'm going to be a six figure, six figure author. I'm indie. I'm going to do this. This is how people are making money now. And it fulfills me creatively, but it also fulfills my business side. And I'm going to be, I'm going to replace my income. Yeah, that never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I had a few good years where I, you know, had five figure incomes um, and I had a few bad years where I didn't. um, But uh, but I've never I've never hit that six figure mark. And so yet. Yes, exactly. (laughs) No, I mean, and that's that's valid and that's fair. Right. Like it's a yet statement. But um but I still think I'm successful. I still think I've done a lot that has moved me toward my goals. And, and like, I certainly don't feel like a failure. Right. Um, so how has that changed? Well, part of it is coming out of COVID where for me, um, you know, it, it took a hit on my productivity. I couldn't keep up with the same pace that I had been doing before. I couldn't push myself as hard. I didn't have the capacity for it. My girls were at home. I was homeschooling. I was doing all these other things. So the income became less and less important. Um, Honestly, those financial metrics became less important to me. And so I've tried instead to redefine success in less quantifiable and more qualitative measures. Um, And so for me, that means having a fulfilling career, something that satisfies me from both a creative perspective and also the analytical business side of my personality. So doing something that satisfies both of those things in a way that lets me work around my children's schedules and be the primary parent, take them to all the activities and everything that they want to do, um, and nurture them while also nurturing myself and ultimately being an example of what it means to work hard and pursue your goals and pursue your, your dreams and your passions, um, finding those things and putting effort in so that I'm doing the hard things and I'm showing my girls that you can do hard things. You know, this is what satisfying work looks like. 
Um, and so that's my goal. It's qualitative. It is not quantitative anymore. Um, yes, I still would love to be a six-figure author, and I'm still working toward that, but it is no longer my primary definition of success. You know, it's interesting because when I was growing up, my dad always used to say, my dad, by the way, was in publishing magazines and um, nonfiction stuff. But he always said that uh, a successful career is the one where you, you, you don't ever feel like you're working. You just love what you're doing so much that you would, you would do it even if you didn't get paid. Yeah. And um, now, of course, he did get paid. <laughs> and if he hadn't got paid, it would have been really bad for my family. But um, so I can, think I kind of came at it from that point of view in a lot of ways that it wasn't about the money. It was more about uh, learning and growing in the craft of writing and the ability um, and, and getting the my version of external validation was from other people, like from a publisher, from an editor, from some readers, that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. feeling that I'm good enough to do, to do this job, to do this thing of people that I can produce books that they actually want to read. And then after writing seven books in a series and never seeing a whole lot of income from that, um, because they're, in part because they're traditionally published and I only get a small royalty amount for every book published and all those things that go into it and not being, you know, anyway, never mind. But because of that, um, I, I have gone the other way from you. Whereas now I'm trying to look at success more uh, as a dollar amount, like more as quantifiable because, um, did I say that wrong? Did you, right. you had okay quantifiable yeah, yeah quantifiable yes because because I've moved I from um you know this like feel good creativity warm fuzzy thing into I'm spending a lot of time doing this and not every part of this journey is fun yeah. some parts of it are not fun at all And so I would like to be reimbursed for them in a practical way, you know? So it's funny that, and what's also interesting to me, because you mentioned about different personality types, um, we both are the same personality type. We're both Mm -hmm. Enneagram threes with sometimes my wing is the, um, the individualist and sometimes it's the helper, probably depending on how many people I happen to be helping at the moment. Um, what I want more, but, uh, but yet we both came at this career completely different. Yeah. And we've kind of crossed paths and gone to each other's other corners, which I think is really interesting. Um, so what, one thing that I was thinking when you were talking that might be a a tip for listeners, like, so that they're not just hearing our stories and going, well, that's nice for you too, but how's this apply to me? Um, the whiff them, you know, what's in it for me <laughs> is, is uh, the idea that it's okay to have both. It's yes. okay to have both a, you know, inner fulfillment, non-quantifiable kind of definition of success. And the other one as well, it's just, mm-hmm. it's good to have it can be good to have both. And also here's something else that occurred to me is the carrot and the stick thing. 
I think it's much healthier as writers because it is a hard business. It's a hard business to make money in. It's a hard business to get external validation. The whole, the whole thing is hard. If you have carrots in front of you, I think that's a little healthier than the stick. So like I was going to ask you when you were talking, if you think that part of the reason that you did set that high financial goal for yourself in the beginning as your definition of success, was it a little bit to justify moving out of a corporate job where you could make that money into this? Yes, to some extent, I think that's true. I mean, it was definitely, like I said, it it was a psychological hit to give up that income, even though my husband and I had planned for it, we were prepared for it, you know, we'd saved, we'd, we'd prepped, but, um, it, it, you know, it, it hurt a little bit to kind of give up that some of that perceived independence, um, of that income. I mean, before, before then, you know, my husband and I, we still had separate checking accounts because we each had our own. And then we had a joint account as well. That was like for paying the mortgage and stuff, but we like each kept our separate money and, you know, and we'd been married for years already. Like it was, it was kind of weird. It was probably kind of weird, but it worked for us. So whatever. Um, but yeah, so, so there was a certain aspect of like, I need to, I need to justify my existence still like, which is silly because I was, taking care of our children. <laughs> but right. but there was still there was still some of that. Um and our, I think there is still some of that. Um but with time and maturity <laughs> I've gotten over it a little bit. Maybe. Are you have you gotten mature yet? I don't like, know. I'm, I'm I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> but well, but yeah, I mean, I mean, there there definitely is that aspect. But I also think too, like going back to the internal versus external validation, right? Like your internal validation is 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 that like I I have justified my existence. <laughs> I think your husband and your girls would both say yes. You have I, justified your existence. I think so. I think so. So so that's the internal, but. Externally, I mean, yeah, financial is one metric, but also awards. I mean, that's why I apply for the indie book awards and stuff, because if I can, that helps me justify or get that external validation that my achiever personality still craves, even if I'm not yet able to achieve the six figure income that I ultimately would like. Um, you know, I, I think it does, that's another form of external validation. Um, similarly, like doing live events and things where you can actually talk to readers and see readers who come back to your table or come and say, Oh my gosh, I followed you. I'm here because of you, or I want to take a picture with you. Or like, this is so cool. I, you know, I get to meet my, one of my, my favorite authors, like I've had that experience as well um, at events and that's the external validation, a different source of external validation, but that helps with the whole um, process and satisfaction, I think for, for the job as well. Um, So there's still, it's still a battle, right? But it's choosing which things you're going to focus on the most um, and not letting other things that maybe you're not doing as well derail you, I think, if that makes sense. 
Yes. And that's actually like a really good segue because um, I think this is something to kind of touch on is that dreaming, you know, what we, I'm sorry, I'm like all over the map here, but we had um, Michael Payne, Mm -hmm. a podcast interview with him. Uh, You know, we recorded sometime back and just released a couple of episodes ago. And he said that one of the things that he had had to learn, like his roadblock was learning to manage expectations, Mm -hmm. basically. And, you know, that disappointments, because he had had some, but when he got his first book published by Tor, he'd had uh, somebody well-known in the industry who said, oh, this is, you know, this is going to be the next big fantasy author. And he wasn't. And, but he had expected to be. Mm-hmm. And that can be a big disappointment. So uh, the flip side of that is if we manage our expectations too well, <laughs> then sometimes we just don't dream big enough and yeah. we don't, we don't go big enough and we don't have big enough goals. And then we don't get in, then we definitely don't get anywhere. So there, there is a fine line to, to walk down that path, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, there's been a lot of talk as well about the moving goalposts, right. Um, And how your definition of success changes over time. And I think like at first, right. When with your first book, your definition, definition of success is probably just getting that book published, whether you do it by yourself or whether you do it through a publisher, getting a book published is a big deal. That is a huge goal and a huge achievement and a huge success. Um, and I think all too often, well, the first book, I think, I think people celebrate, like you generally, you you know, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of book parties. There's a lot of like, joy and excitement about it as it should be. And that's wonderful. But as, as you go on each successive book feels less exciting, (laughs) feels less successful because now your definition of success, your bar that you've set for yourself has changed. You've moved the goalpost. And I think that's a good thing. It can be a bad thing as well. If you don't celebrate your wins, because then you're just going to always feel like you're never meeting your own expectations. But moving those goalposts is part of growing as, as a career, you know, professional, it's part of becoming who you want to be. It's always striving for the next thing. Um, but like you said, it's a tightrope, right? Like you have to walk this fine line between celebrating your successes, making sure that you appreciate the accomplishment accomplishments that you've made and the successes that you've had while also setting yourself up for that big dream. Um, And one of the things, I think I got it from Russell Nolte, um, but one of the things I've tried to do is have big, huge 10-year goals and really small (laughs) micro short-term goals. Um, And that combination, like visualizing that huge, big thing that you want in 10 years or 15 years, or that, you know, what is the ultimate big definition of success that you see for yourself? Um, and then what are the small steps you can take to get there and def- and and recognizing your successes along the way? Right. Because definitely growth 
and this is true in uh, everything, whether mm-hmm. it's a business growth or watching your kids grow or going on a diet and losing weight or getting strong in the gym or whatever your goals are, it never is just a steady, gradual incline. No. Everything is a roller coaster because you're going to have you're going to have book launches that exceed your wildest imagination. You're going to wake up and one morning when the book goes alive and go, oh my gosh, how great. And then you're going to have book launches that it's like, huh, does anybody know that my book was published? It's like crickets out there. You're going to have, you're going to have five-star glowing reviews where readers are just can't wait for the next book in the series. And then you're going to have people who give you a one-star and you know, to say it's the worst book they've ever read. So, uh, you know, I think what Russell, and I've heard that said in many other areas too, about having the really, really big, audacious long-term goals and then very small daily goals Mm -hmm. uh, is the best path to success because it kind of keeps you a little bit more, uh, a little more on the straight and narrow when you recognize that, okay, this might've been a dip down. This might've been something, a difficulty. This may look not good, but that's okay because I also have had some big success. You know, I've had some uptime. So it, that it's just going to, as long as it's gradually moving in the right direction. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you want that, you want the trends line up, but realizing there's going to be um, hills and valleys along the way. Right. And so I think like when we talk about self-sabotage can be one of the biggest yeah. um issues and people achieving something, achieving what they want to achieve. And self-sabotage often comes when we, when we do look at the small setbacks and we take those small setbacks too seriously. And we don't keep that big, audacious 10-year goal, five-year goal, whatever it is in our minds and before us. And uh, we, we start to believe our own negative, uh, press when we get discouraged. I I think that's true, but I think it's even more than that, right? It goes back to this visualization thing um, where sometimes we don't, we don't do things or because we don't think it's possible, right? So like um, writing 5,000 words in a day, uh, I have author friends who do that and I'm always, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I've done it actually. I mean, not often, <laughs> once or twice, <laughs> but, but when I had, when I was able to completely isolate myself for an entire day and focus solely on writing, I wrote 6,000 words in a day once, once. <laughs> I'm going to be full, full clarity here, full transparency once, but but it is possible. And I think the more you practice those things and the more you stop saying that's impossible and I'm going to give it a try instead, then then the more success you can find and you can break your own your own glass ceiling, right? Yeah. So it's the Roger Bannister effect. The Roger Roger they used to say that human beings could not run faster than a four minute mile. They couldn't run a four minute mile or faster. And then Roger Bannister did. And the next year, hundreds, hundreds of runners broke the four minute mile. It was seeing somebody else do it. 
was like, yeah. oh, uh, that that they all of a sudden believed they could, whereas before that they couldn't. So there is that. And I do think that's one of the exciting things to me about the indie author world is that you do see some of these authors who do hit really high financial numbers in a relatively short period of time. And I, of course, I could go down the envy road and I could say, well, they're better than me. And well, I was like, oh, you know, I mean, I could do all that stuff. But instead, if I let that encourage me, if I let them be my Roger Bannister and I say, well, shoot, howdy, if they could shoot, howdy, if they could do it, I can do it, you know, and get excited. (laughs) Almost as good as shoot balls. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Uh, But yeah, no, I mean, and it's true. It comes back so much to mindset and having that growth mindset and having that, that internal ability to say, I haven't achieved that yet. Right. And that yet is so important. And, and realizing that, you know, just because you haven't done something yet, doesn't mean you can't do it. Doesn't mean you won't do it or it's unachievable. It just means you haven't done it yet. And you can keep working toward whatever that, that goal is. Right. And, um, there was one more thing I was going to say about that. When you were talking, I had this great, brilliant idea. <laughs> Got it. Oh, I know timing. That's what I was going to yeah. say is timing is so critical. And that's what you were saying about the big goals, long-term and the little goals, short-term, because, um, I am tend to be a somewhat impatient person. Like once I decide that I want to do something, like I want to do it and I want to do it yesterday and I get, uh, but the trouble is I like to do lots of things and there is only so many hours in a day and, and it does take a while to build an audience and it does take a long time to learn to run various ads and it does, you know, fill in the blank. Everything takes time. And um, so that, that's another thing for, I think I have to ingest in my heart is that just because it didn't happen this month or it's not gonna it's not gonna even happen this year doesn't mean it's never gonna happen. It's it's what you said, the yet word is really, really important because in the beginning, I mean it took me a, a year to write a book and it wasn't even a very good one. And now I can write a book generally speaking in about three months. I mean that's with my own editing, internal editing process and all that before it goes to a, um, an editor. Um, but like, when did, it's like watching your children grow. When did that happen? When did I get from a point where it took me a year to write a book to a point where it took me about three months? I don't know. It was real gradual. Mm -hmm. So we can be hard on ourselves when really we're in process. If we just focused on the doing and stopped measuring ourselves every day, we would be a lot happier and then measured ourselves less frequently, like maybe once a year to see how we're doing or once a quarter, depending on what the topic is that we're measuring ourselves against. So we never actually did ask you, Greta, what is your definition of success these days? Oh my goodness. So it's twofold if I'm going to go for the internal and the external. So the, the internal one is where I'm, I'm getting more 
happy vibes these days, which is um, reader connectivity and really feeling like I'm providing an enjoyable experience for readers and maybe a little something that makes them think about their own lives or gives them a little aha Oprah moment or something like that, you know, but it's a, a good mystery. They like the characters. It's a chance to escape into a fictional world. And, and uh, I have a wonderful arc team and they, they, they've got my fourth book in the series now. And they're, you know, every day I'm getting an email from one of my readers with, with some typos and things they found, but overall just like, oh, I love the book. I can't wait to see what Imogene and Elle do next. I, I just love that whole thing. So that is very uh, internal gratification for me instead of saying, oh, I have to have, you know, Publishers Weekly or win a book award or something. I'm making my readers happy. And mm-hmm. that's important to me. And I would say also with Author Wheel, hopefully, because we're the podcast audience seems to be growing and we'd love to hear from you guys. I'm hoping that we're helping you guys and, and you know, offering uh, interviews and discussions and things that make you guys think and, and helps your writing career too. So that's super important to me. And then externally, um, sure, I want to be a six-figure author too. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen this year, but five figures this year could be a potential goal. Yeah, could or, be doable for or, sure. Or a lot closer than um, than it was last year. Yeah. So, um, and the, but the, I also recognize that there's a lot that goes into making that financial goal. I have to learn how to run different kinds of ads. I have to, it's not just writing a good book and putting it up. It's learning a lot of marketing techniques, yeah. which are constantly changing mm-hmm. and being, giving myself grace um, in the process Yeah, while I'm learning those things. And, and grace is, grace is huge because I don't know, like, you know, I don't know every job in the world, obviously, but I feel like this job in particular requires and and any creative professional i'm not just i don't just mean writing but any creative professional freelance creative professional type job um there are so many hats that we have to wear so many things that we have to learn and it doesn't ever stagnate there is no there is no end to what you have to learn and what you have to do it's constant learning, which I personally love. Like that is part of what makes this job so satisfying. Um, and then for me, it's also sharing that knowledge. Um, that's why for me, the author wheel has been such an important part of, um, how I define myself and and how I feel about what I'm doing. Right. Like the fiction is what started me on this path, but the author wheel and the sharing of that knowledge and the, the expansion of the community and the, and, and, you know, all of that actually keeps me going in a lot of ways. Right. And and it is hearing back from other people and hearing from readers who say they like my fiction and, and they, it's an escape for them, but also from the writers who are saying, you know, it's an inspiration or, um, I have mom friends who come out and be like, how, how do you manage to do that? And I'm like, well, this is how I do it. Here's <laughs> here's my productivity book. <laughs> this is exactly what I do. And I like sharing that. It's not, it's not an ego thing. It's a, let me help you do whatever it is that you want to do 
and get it done too. And so, and that's a different definition of success, but, but I think it comes back to sort of, you know, yeah, finding that satisfaction beyond just money. So just as a quick note, mm-hmm. um, we both been reading, I think you finished, I'm not quite finished, um, Claire Taylor's book, mm-hmm. Reclaiming Your Author Career. And we are going to yeah. have her on the podcast coming up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And she goes really deep into the Enneagram, um, both which you and I, we have taught a course on using the Enneagram to create characters, but mm-hmm. she goes into it a lot for aligning your uh, personality, your goals, your values, and all those kinds of things. And she has some really brilliant things to say. Oh about my gosh, this. I loved, loved this book. Yeah, really. There's so many, I mean, it's taking me so long because I'm journaling. You know, <laughs> right? I'm yeah. Journaling it's, every chapter. it's not a long book, but it took me a few weeks to actually, and I was reading it like every day, um, because there is a lot that it, it makes you think and it makes you assess yourself and mm. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think it's really critical because what you were saying in the beginning of this discussion was that, you know, sometimes we see somebody else doing something and then we go, oh, that's success. And we think we can mimic what they did. Mm-hmm. And even if we can, even if you could, like, ex- do exactly what author X just did. And write the same kind of books as author X and get the same kind of publicity and get the same kind of sales and make the same kind of money as author X, you might not be happy. Yeah. You know, you, you think you might, you think you will because they are, but that doesn't mean you will be. And so I think that that is something that we really have to, you know, do a little bit of navel gazing to figure out. And I, it, the fact that you and I are both achiever personality types, one of the things that achievers love to do is help other people achieve. Yeah. And, and if they're not scratching their, that itch, because they're so busy just trying to claw their way up their own particular ladder without the altruistic side of their personality also being fulfilled, I think you can get pretty unhappy. Yeah. Even if you're, even if, even if I was farther up the fiction ladder of success, whatever anybody arbitrarily wants to say that ladder is, even if I was farther up that ladder, if I wasn't doing anything on the other side of the world to, you know, feel like I'm helping other writers and other authors grow and do what they want to do, I don't know that I'd be happy. Mm-hmm. No, that that line, that section resonated with me so hard. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because I have another friend um, who's she's a very, very like probably one of my best friends, but um, also a writer. She's also a mathematician. She um, we have very like she's a stay at home mom, very similar lifestyles and 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 lives and and paths that we've taken, um, even though she's math and I'm I'm not math. Um you're more like math spread, than I'm math. I'm I like spreadsheets, saying. but when it comes to like actually like mentally doing the calculations, no. <laughs> I can create formulas. <laughs> that's good. Anyhow, that's all on the side. Um, but we we were talking several months ago about why I do both, because in some ways it splits time and focus, right? Like I could probably produce more fiction and do better 
um, financially on the fiction side, have more time for marketing, have more time for all those other things and learn all that stuff. If I just focused on that or vice versa, right? If I just focused on author wheel, then, you know, we could be the next big writing guru company out there or something, right? Like you could focus all the time on that, putting out more content, more courses, more books, more stuff to help other writers. I can't do either exclusively, I don't think. I think there there's something about the combination of those two businesses that satisfies a deep part of my my soul in a way. Like in in my the thing that makes me who I am and gives me the motivation to keep going and to you know the, the satisfaction of 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 life. <laughs> Let's get, yeah. let's get let's get real deep now. Um, let's go. We're going woo woo here. <laughs> we are. We're going woo woo, but it's good because I think it's so. For me, that is a huge part of who I am. It's the yes, I want to be the creative and I want to have the fiction, but I also want to have a corporate, um, even if it's just you and me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're a corporation. <laughs> we're corporate. Um, Eventually. But I, I I like having that corporate structure. I like having the community of, of someone that I talk to almost every day about business things and expanding our reach and reaching new people and the altruism of helping people come up and providing services um, and, and those kinds of things. It, it's, you have to find what works for you and what satisfies you. I know there are so, most people that's, that would be like ugh, too much. Right. <laughs> and that's totally cool. Figure out what, what you need and go after that. And the path that brings you the most satisfaction with your life, um, both your personal life and your business life, whatever that is created. Right. All of that. So as a big wrap up to this mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. I, I think that what it sounds like to me that what we're saying in a nutshell is uh, everybody's different. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Big, yeah. Go read Claire's book. Yeah. Go read Claire's <laughs> book, which we will talk to her about in an upcoming podcast. If you're not yeah. convinced on this podcast episode. Um, and also to think about the balance of that internal satisfaction and fulfillment mm-hmm. along with the external accomplishments and validation that, that it's up for most people. There's a nice, they can find that nice balance there. It's not, if you get too far on the one side, you may find yourself being very judgmental and critical of yourself and unhappy and not um, having great relationships because who wants to be with somebody who's so competitive, you know, and that kind of thing. And that, but then on the other side, if you get too soft and all that, you may never sell a book. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's finding that happy, that happy medium, that balance. Yeah. And what, and what is going to make you both fulfilled and feel successful externally. Yeah. And I, and I, and I will say one final, final wrap up on this too. stay positive, have huge long-term dreams, you know, whatever that means for you. If you want to be the household name, dream that, and then take baby steps to reach that. So break it down, little bites, little pieces, and one 
I've totally mixed all my metaphors now, but whatever. That's okay. We love mixed <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> but one little step at a time to move you in that direction. We take little steps when we eat elephants. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, um, I think we're going to wrap this up and make sure um, if you haven't already listened to our episode at the beginning um, of season two, I think it was our very first episode. It was. Maybe it was the second one. Um, we talked about setting your author strategy and a lot of the things we've talked about here today kind of feed into that. Um, so do make sure you go listen to that one as well and pick up your free download at authorwheel.com slash stuff of the author strategy template, which will walk you through finding that core motivation, which is where a lot of this definition of success stuff feeds into, but the core motiva motivation about why you write and creating that into a tagline, um, and then feeding that through to your strengths weaknesses, self-assessment, and then finally strategy and tactics. Um, and uh, that's all available at authorwheel.com slash stuff, along with the top five roadblocks authors must overcome, um, which is also a free worksheet download. So until next time, keep your stories rolling. Are you an aspiring author? Stop by www.authorwheel.com slash stuff to download the top five writing roadblocks aspiring authors must overcome. Thank you for listening to the Author Wheel Podcast, hosted by Greta Boris and Megan Haskell, edited by Jim Wilborn.